Hello, my name is J.D. Boudreaux, and I'm your host for Well Within Reach, an MTS therapy and wellness podcast. MTS Therapy and Wellness is a locally owned company by a group of therapists with a home base in Lafayette, Louisiana since 1983. The company was started by physical therapists who had a desire to treat patients from a holistic perspective. The company is now led by a group of individuals who are bonded together by the same idea from 30 years ago. They desire to treat our clients and our team through mind, body, and spirit. Our tribe of professionals have come together to form a perfect storm of therapy know-how and personal growth cravings. Our goal is to help people on their journey toward their best self. The goal of this podcast is to share information that we find important and interesting as we navigate the world of therapy, business, and leadership. Your goals are well within reach. We are here to help. On today's episode, we will be discussing the business in healthcare. I would like to welcome today's guest to our podcast, the Senior Vice President, Chief Operating Officer of Lafayette General Medical Center, Mr. Al Patan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. We're going to jump right in uh, to this podcast. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and where are you from, so our audience knows a little bit about you. Yeah, well, with the last name of Patan, uh, you know I'm not too far away, right? I'm, I'm a Brobridge boy. Um, I live here in Lafayette. I, I married my uh, my sweetheart, uh, uh, Nikki. Uh, we met in nursing school, so I'm a registered nurse. That's typically how I start off my who am I. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I graduated in 1997, um, met my beautiful wife in nursing school, um, and we've been married ever since. So uh, first, I'm a husband, um, and I'm blessed to be a father of three. I have uh, identical twin girls that are 14, and they would tell me, Dad, don't introduce me as identical twin girls, right? I have uh, Elise, who's 14, and Cece, who's 14, and uh, William, who's a junior in high school. He's 16. Uh, So I'm a father. And then um, my role at the hospital is uh, I've been with Lafayette General since 2013 um, in a leadership capacity, and um, I've, I've been open to wherever... The system needs me, um, and I've had multiple roles since 2013. Um, like you said, my most recent one is the Chief Operating Officer of the main campus, Lafayette General. Tell us a little bit about your education and past work experiences in the healthcare field. We know you have a, a background in nursing, but start from the beginning and let us know a little bit about your education and then some of the work experience that you have had prior to taking the role as an administrator. Yeah, so, um, you know, nursing wasn't my first choice. I didn't, I didn't have anyone uh, that I knew that was a nurse. I was going to be a teacher for the, for all of my life. I was going to be a professor at a university. I had that thought, Um, but I ended up taking a preference test and teaching was first and nursing came out second and I wanted to be different. So um, entered UL and uh, you know, fell in love with, with the clinical side of nursing um, became a student nurse uh, working at Lourdes during school and um, loved the patient care aspect of it, loved that I could still teach patients and did that for a while, graduated working at Lourdes um, and it was good that uh, my wife and I ended up getting married a year after we graduated and both of us wanted to travel and you know we had a great opportunity before we had children to do travel nursing um, so we uh, we traveled all across the country. Uh, we, we, you know, I was able to practice at a Duke University hospital, a cardiac unit that was 
uh, pretty world renowned. So great experience there. And then we we went to Denver uh, for for a winter segment. Uh, so I skied my heart out, didn't break any bones. Practiced at a cardiac hospital there in Aurora. Um, and then we ended uh, with a long stint in San Francisco. I practiced at a, a Kaiser Hospital in Oakland. You know, those three experiences helped me understand a little bit more about healthcare from a business side, um, especially Kaiser. That's a, that's a membership type of, of uh, hospital, you know, and it intrigued me. And, and, and I knew that I was coming back home um, to figure out what my future was going to be and to figure out, am I going to be a clinical nurse for the rest of my life? Or, you know, where is God calling me? Where are my talents? And uh, I ended up at Lafayette General, um, you know, in, in 2000, in, I think in 1999 or 2000, got into the cath lab, uh, started working in cardiac nursing. That was a, a fluke. It was a position that was available. I didn't know much about cath lab. You know, that afforded me opportunities to be part of new processes, new programs, um, get more aligned with doctors. You know, when you're in a, a cath lab suite, you're one-on-one with physicians and uh, that was a whole new aspect of healthcare for me. Having a physician lead, but as a colleague, was was new, and uh, I, I liked it a lot. So I decided to enter the MBA program. You know, I liked the business side of healthcare versus becoming a nurse practitioner or becoming a CRNA. Both great fields. Um, I just felt I had a calling to to healthcare from a bigger perspective. I entered the UL MBA program and, and finished that as quickly as I could before we had children. And then one opportunity after another, JD, it was just, I surrounded myself with, with good people and strong mentors. And I said yes to any, any project that I would get assigned to. I, you know, I was young, I was eager, I did it with, with everything. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. I started Lafayette General in leadership. I did that for about five years in various capacities. And then I had an opportunity to work in healthcare outside of a hospital setting. Um, so in 2008, um, I left Lafayette General um, and I worked with a practice management company for anesthesia. And, and that gave me the ability to sit on the other side of the table from the hospital um, to learn what a partnership vendor type relationship really means to a hospital. And I got to travel a little bit more and, and, and sort of live in the consulting world, advising hospitals on cost structure and expenses and um, right sizing their anesthesia department. You know, at five years, I met David Calicott. You know, if you've ever met the guy, you'll know what I mean. But um, I was intrigued, I was excited, I was welcomed. And the rest is history. I joined back in 2013, and uh, I've been with the system ever since. Awesome. A very extensive background, both in the education, clinical, and leadership setting. Uh, we all know in healthcare that relationships are paramount to, to success. But outside of the educational experiences that you have had, is there one event that you feel like has most affected the way you treat people or develop relationships with individuals that you work with? Yeah, and this isn't a sob story. It's it's an it's it's not it's not meant to be, but it's an event in my life, and it shaped how I think. It shaped how my wife and I make decisions. In 
probably, I think it's 2003. The year should be indelible, right? It should be in my mind, but I think it was 2003. It was my last semester of my MBA. I ended up coming down with um, cryptococcal meningitis. If you know anything about it, it's extremely rare. Healthy people don't get it. It's an opportunistic infection. It's, um, it, it was pretty traumatic. It was um, not expected. Uh, it, it, it forced me in the hospital for a long amount of time into uh, Black in general, um, but into care settings that I recognize very quickly. Competency is important. Empathy is important. Uh, you know, as a patient and a nurse, I was able to quickly recognize those that were masking a competency. They really didn't know what to do. And it made me fearful. It made me want to be the nurse for them. And, you know, I always said, if I make out, if I make it out of this, if I, if I, if I make it out with no residual effects, I want to make sure that I can make an, a difference so that every bedside caregiver, you know, has the tools and equipment and competency to do their job. And we're always considering placing the patient in the right setting. But it was life-changing for me. It was, um, I was way too young for that kind of diagnosis. And, you know, my wife and I grew a lot as a couple. I've been fine ever since. I have no residual. It's been great. You know, never looked back. But it really, it was sort of a fork in the road for me to force me to think differently about how I would eventually lead, what questions I would ask, and ultimately, you know, when people say putting the patient first, it's really putting your caregiver and your patient in the in the best possible light uh, to make sure they have everything they need at their disposal. So, yeah, it shaped, it shaped who I am. It really did. Definitely a unique story and definitely can see how that influences how you how you deal in healthcare when you're on the other side of it. You, yeah. you definitely get a different perspective for sure. Talk a little bit about your nursing background, all the clinical experience, the education. How have you taken that into your role as an administrator to, to influence the people that you work with? It's the reason why I am good at what I do, I guess. It's the reason why I have been successful so far. Um, you know, anytime I meet with a nurse, um, a nursing student, uh, you know, someone who's fixing to graduate, I always, always tell them how valuable their clinical experience is, no matter where you go, right? Nursing affords people so many opportunities. Think about it. You can be a wonderful bedside nurse. You can, you can get into the legal aspect of healthcare. You can get into medicine. You can get into nurse practitioner. You can go back for business. You can get into home health. It's endless. It's endless. And um, I, I lead with, I'm a nurse. Even though I don't practice, I think first as a nurse, um, the decisions we make about capital, about patient equipment, about staffing, um, about growth, about our next, our next floor design, the, the clinical experience I have and the fact that I was very intentional about becoming a nurse lead my thoughts and lead how I make decisions. And nursing as well as physicians are going to be leaders in healthcare. It, it, it's happening now. We see in our organization a multitude of nurses, nurses rising up to leadership positions outside of nursing. 
um, because we're natural at putting the patient first and thinking critically through situations. So it has made me the leader I am today. I could not be in the position I'm in today and do what I do without having my nursing background. And I will always, always recommend to someone if they're ever considering getting a clinical background, I would always advocate yes, right? Getting a clinical background to start your career always frames your next step, in my opinion. Not everybody can do that, but if you're ever considering or waffling about it, to me, your clinical foundation and whatever clinician you are forms the basis of how you think in healthcare. And for me, it is uh, it was paramount. Appreciate you sharing that with us. I want to talk a little bit about 2020. It's been a very challenging year between the COVID-19 pandemic, between tropical storms and, and natural disasters, and then also going through a healthcare merger that, that Lafayette General is in, in the middle of. What has been the biggest challenge for you in, in your role in 2020? Has it been the pandemic or, or has it been something else that you faced? Well, I, th- I think it would be, I would be remiss to say anything but the pandemic. It, it was just such a game changer for healthcare. The, the challenge was more about things you don't think about every day, right? Man, are we, are we going to have enough supply? Are we going to have enough PPE? Are our nurses able to take enough breaks? You know, the fact that our, vis- our patients can't have visitors, you know, how are we allowing them to communicate with their family members? And it was just this endless barrage of new and new that no one else had ever done, right? We, the latest thing is, when's the last time you were happy about hiring someone with six months experience? Well, that's how much experience we have with this, you know? So I would say that was the most unique and challenging piece of 2020, just because we still had to continue taking care of patients. And how do you do that when in our culture, family is so important and, you know, you attach a person with you in your hospital stay. So, you know, that would be it. But I I will say very briefly, so I don't prolong this. I, I'm humbled by our caregivers, our, our physicians and our nurses and our staff, our clinicians, man, uh, they did phenomenal work. Uh, They came back every day, even though it was difficult. And I'm so proud to say that I work with, with angels and uh, it it was beautiful. Uh, You mentioned Ochsner. I I will say I, I am proud to work for an organization that put so much time and effort into considering what the best future for this community asset is. And I was fortunate enough to sit and and witness our board of directors go through a long journey of valuing this community asset that is Lafayette General and figuring out what the best next step is, right? We've We've had our most successful financial years the past two years, yet our board made a decision to form a long-term partnership with Ochsner Health. And I'm excited uh, to be able to move forward with them as as a partner. Um, The commitment that they have made to our community from a financial perspective, from a service perspective, is 
is exciting. And I, I can't wait to share that with our community. Um, we anticipate that that's going to happen in the fall. We're excited about it. You know, so more to come, but it, it will be an enormous addition to bringing resources into our community that we may not have had before. And we're fortunate enough to be able to partner with a very highly qualified local healthcare system. That's I'm glad, I'm glad you kind of comment on auction. Let's let's focus in a little bit on that and that that deal that's that's imminent to take place in the Lafayette community. Talk about some of the you said the board voted on it, but some of the reasons why it makes sense in today's healthcare world to kind of combine two successful organizations to help improve the healthcare throughout South Louisiana and, and hopefully throughout the southeast region of the United States. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen Lafayette General Health's growth strategy over the past several years, since 2009 or 10, you know, our strategy has always been keeping care local. And we've partnered and acquired facilities in rural settings. You can look at uh, the partnership we have in Kaplan and Crowley and Brobridge, um, as well as our university hospital. And then most recently, our orthopedic hospital transition. All of those were intended to keep patients in the communities that they live in. And there's only so much growth Lafayette General can do on its own. You know, in in the state of healthcare today, there's not going to be any more revenue coming into the system tomorrow more than there is today. And expenses continue to drive upward. And, you know, that results in a need to be part of a bigger network that has opportunity to influence legislation, that has opportunity to influence buying power, that has opportunity to, uh, I guess, become part of some economies of scale from a quality perspective, from a physician perspective. Um, And I think the bigger you become doesn't always mean you're better at what you do, but knowing that Oshner has improved all relationships that they've been a part of gives us hope that the things we weren't able to do for our community, our size, now we have an opportunity long into the future to make sure Acadiana has the resources they need from a healthcare perspective. So the time was right and uh, we're going to be much better for it uh, as a community. Make some excellent points about the quality of healthcare being important and making sure that people can obtain the healthcare in their local communities. There was an initial announcement of an investment of, of nearly $365 million over 10 years and, and some focus groups on education in the community, uh, building some educational centers, the cancer center, the neuroscience center, women's care and pediatrics. All of those things are, are areas that, that are geared to be improved in the Lafayette community. What excites you about those different specialties or is there anything that you want to pick out of those groups that, that kind of piques your interest uh, as this partnership moves forward? Yeah, they're, they're, I could get excited on everyone, right? Everyone is a strategy and it's a, it's a community need. It's certainly a need from the hospital perspective. I think workforce development is probably um, one that excites me the most, uh, identifying areas that our hospital struggles with from the perspective of recruitment, you know, building our own. So whether it's um, advancing further relationships with, uh, with our nursing programs to beef those up to get more graduates out of Lafayette, you know, as we announce expansions at Lafayette General Health, we know, J.D., that expansion means 
we need more people. We need more staff. We need more therapists and nurses and doctors. And, and you can only do that if you develop them from your own community. So, you know, nursing programs, scrub tech programs, PA programs, MAs, MOAs, LPNs, looking at opportunity to grow from within and develop those within Acadiana um, excites me because it allows us to utilize the space that we're going to grow into, right? So I would say that's great for Acadiana. You know, you mentioned Women's and Children's and Cancer Center, to name a few. Both of those are critical service lines for our community and for Lafayette General. We're full. We're at capacity most of the days in those two service lines. Uh, So for us to continue bringing in the most acute care patients to our main campus in Lafayette, we need more space. To do that, you need capital dollars. So I think, you know, the investments were very intentional. They were very thought out and strategic, and they were very community focused. And I'm excited to be able to bring those resources to Lafayette in partnership with Ostner. It's, um, it's something we would not have been able to do on our own this timely. Appreciate you sharing some of those investments that, that we have service lines growing. You know, with any change, there becomes uncertainty, and you're not going to have 100% of the people support you. Uh, as you move forward with this partnership, what's the biggest misconception that you've heard in the, in the local community about this partnership or, or something that, that floating out there that is, is not accurate that you, you would like to address from a misconception standpoint? Yeah, I think, I think any time there's a, a, a merger, you know, the, the question comes up about control and, and losing control and culture. And that's natural, right? It, it's natural. Um, but what we've experienced and what we know is this is a merger of two great organizations Um, Lafayette General is known for high quality local care and we will continue to be known for that. Ostner is going to be great at supplementing some things that we either don't do um, or they do better. The same thing with us. We're going to be able to supplement some things that they don't do or we may do a little better. And it's really combining the best of two organizations and it's, it's not a takeover. It's a merger. And, and I think that's probably the biggest misconception. Oshner's coming in to make us stronger, to make us the hub of Southwest Louisiana. Um, and I look forward to that. And I think our community is, is, um, is, is ripe for that opportunity. All right, pivoting a little bit back to the, the COVID-19 pandemic. You talked about many challenges, you know, obtaining PPE, uh, the staffing schedules, even treatment plans that changed drastically throughout the pandemic. But I want to focus this question on the, the biggest innovation or success that you've seen uh, in the system during the pandemic. What would you say would be your biggest success or innovation that you, you've seen in, in your area? Yeah, we just had a, probably a month ago, we had what we called, um, and forgive me for the name, um, it was COVIDovation, and, and I can't coin that term, but it was, it was our typical leadership segment of the year where we talk about innovations and what have, we, what have we done new that made us better or was really innovative across the system. So this time we called it, what did we do with COVID, right, COVIDovations that really transformed what we did. And, and I think 
You know, the one that comes to mind, it relates to, it, it's something very simple, but we were having a difficult time keeping track of our visitors tied to one patient. So our visitor policy identified one consistent visitor per patient at a time when we allowed visitors. So they'd have to check in at the front entrance of the facility, and we had two entrances, and then we were manually tracking who their one visitor is. Okay, they're here. Let's sign them off. Let's call the other station. Let's sign them off. And then that whole process of keeping up with that. So our IT team worked with our nursing staff um, and developed an automated way where everyone gets the same message at the same time, something we would have never had to do, barring a visitor check-in policy. Another one that comes to mind was something very simple, but it was mechanical, right? When we had our patients that had COVID that needed to be transferred around the hospital, again, six months experience, we're new. Um, they actually built a, a safe PVC piped tent with a shower curtain that was clear that allowed the patient to be able to see where they were going, but it also contained uh, that patient's space. Um, which was innovative, and one of our staff members did that. And, and I think that's the most impressive thing is our team, the people at the bedside, were creating ways to make care more efficient. Um, we became very good and astute and efficient at inventory tracking, right? That was, man, we were down to days on hand for every type of PPE we used. We knew how much we were burning through each day. We knew as our um, COVID positive patient numbers increased, we knew what that burn rate looked like. So we were able to predict two, three, four days out what our inventory was gonna look like. And our, our supply team is, is remarkable. They may not directly care for patients, but they are definitely caregivers and proved that during this this pandemic. So it, it, we could go on and on. We had a whole day of innovations that we did for COVID, but those are just a few that I can think of. Yes, and most definitely what you what you did notice during this pandemic is many people in our healthcare system, but in multiple healthcare systems coming together uh, for the benefit of the patient, regardless of what department you were in, to put the patient at the forefront of treatment, which should always be a, a key paradigm when we're, when we're dealing with patients in healthcare. Absolutely. We, we know you've achieved a lot of success in your young career, but I want to speak to, uh, from a mentor perspective, who would you say has had the biggest influence on your personal and professional growth uh, that has helped you achieve your success so far? Yeah, so I think two, two people, and I'm, I'm going to go cliche here, and she would probably say, Al, don't say me. And I, and I, I have to, my, my instinct is to say my wife, uh, Nikki, I think. Um, she's one of the strongest individuals I know. She keeps me grounded. She, she knows my next move. Um, she knows my tendencies. She um, sits in the place of a team member when I'm delivering a message and, and you know, helps me navigate what that is supposed to look like. Um, and then to watch her mother, our children, is phenomenal and, and doing that with such heart. So um, if I could be half as good as her at, at life, I'd be a better person. And I think at work, you know, I'm not going to reveal any names, but I have a, I have a, um, a group. We call ourselves J2H, Journey to Heaven. And it's two other people, and we hold each other accountable, and we pray at any given moment 
Um, we, we pray for each other, for what's going on in our life. We keep each other on, on track for what the ultimate goal is. And uh, they, they help shape who I am professionally and just, just as a human. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you so much for that. One thing I want to talk about is in your roles as an administrator, what has been your biggest accomplishment that you feel like you've had since being back with Lafayette General? It, it would have to fit within the world of our physician group just because we, we saw enormous growth from 2013 until today. And although I don't have direct oversight of that group today, I think one of the biggest accomplishments we've had, you know, watching our orthopedic group, which which started as a, a three office campus, meaning different physicians were in different offices around around the community and and getting them as a group uh, to fit within one office space at our orthopedic campus and then be able to migrate all orthopedic surgeries outside of trauma to that location and really make that a best practice site. I think it's not my accomplishment, but I think as a system, all of what we did to grow the system culminated in our ability to gain trust to do that, to pull off the operational piece of doing that and and to see it uh, to the success it is today. I think that's that's a big event that people can wrap their arms around and it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had all that previous experience in successful partnerships and successful acquisitions. You know, so I, th- I think that that's made us a better healthcare system. On the flip side, what has been the hardest day that you faced as an administrator? Ooh, I don't know if I have one. Maybe the hardest. I think anytime. Anytime we have to have a difficult discussion with a family member that is basically telling us we dropped the ball, we failed, like we fail a lot. We, we, we have, you know, 4,800 humans that work within our system. We're not made to be perfect. And, and sometimes hearing um, someone's experience where we failed in some aspect, right? We, we didn't treat them as as nicely as we should have, or our environment wasn't up to par, or our visitor policy impacted an issue. I think hearing that and feeling it is probably, it weighs on my mind a a long time in the day. And then I think anytime I sit with someone or our leaders have to sit with someone and navigate difficult conversations about behavior or people not using their talents to their fullest, you, you, you become, you almost want to do it for them. You know, those are, those are tough days when we have to deal with things like that, you know, patient care issues, not living up to our potential. I would say those are the ones that I leave work and, and wrestle with that. I don't have a particular I've never left saying this was the worst day ever, you know, so I, I can't, I can't recall that one yet. Hopefully, okay. hopefully it stays that way. Correct. You're right. You're right. Well, we talked about some of, some of the immediate future plans of Lafayette general and kind of healthcare locally. And this question may tie into that, but looking 
maybe a little bit farther into the future, three, five, 10 years, what are you excited about moving forward in the healthcare field in Acadiana? Um, with, with growth and, and with technology, I think healthcare is changing. And we saw a lot of the change in, in COVID come to fruition. So we've been working through our telemedicine platform for the past several years, trying to prepare for, for the day when we almost reverse healthcare back to where it used to be, where when it's appropriate, we can care for their patient in their home setting. And during COVID, we saw our physicians and our caregivers adapt very quickly to being able to create an access point at a patient's home because they couldn't get here. And I think that tells us that, albeit that's not the best care platform for every patient, it's not for every doctor, it's not for every setting, but it is a part of our healthcare continuum. And that's just one small piece of what I believe five, 10 years down the line will look like in healthcare. You know, waiting rooms are going to be a thing of the past. Digital medicine is going to be more prolific, if you will. I don't think that's the right word, but more part of our treatment regimen that physicians use. And it'll be more specific for the disease by individual. And, and all of that is going to shape healthcare. It'll probably come at a high cost, you know, so that in, in the whole legislative component and funding is going to be interesting to watch and be a part of. But I think healthcare will become more efficient for the consumer. And I'm excited to see that because it can be very cumbersome today. A lot of changes in healthcare and a lot of it were, was kind of expedited by the COVID-19 pandemic, like you mentioned. What is your biggest concern regarding healthcare in the next 10 years? Just the unknown related to reimbursement. And, and you know, it all, it often depends on what political parties in play. And, and I, I wish that the walls could be broken down from a political perspective and really get down to understanding the, the finance and how the dollars flow. And ultimately, what is the, my concern is, is the unknown of what the insurance and payer market and Medicare market is going to look like in the future, because we all depend on uh, that current mechanism, right? We all depend on that as our insurance portal. So I think it's just the unknown of what that's all going to turn out to be because we all know, and I think both parties recognize, the cost cannot continue the way they are. Um, so um, what is it going to look like is, is probably the biggest unknown and concern. I want to talk a little bit on, on this podcast. We always ask a legacy question. So we, we like to ask our guests, when everything is said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? So for me, JD, I, I would hope that I'm, I'm remembered by individuals that I was able to help them in some way. Every day I hope I help more than I hurt. I don't, that's it. That's it. I hope, I hope you know, the people God put me in front of, I accepted the grace and helped <laughs> more than I hurt. I, I, I don't do it well all the time. But I would hope when people remember me, they think of a, a time when I was able to help them 
with something, right? It could be very simple. But if, if I'm successful at that, I think the, the bigger pieces will fall into place. And if you've listened to some of our podcasts in the past, we do have a, a special co-host that, that could not join us today, Brian Sonier. So he, he has... What question, what question did Mr. Sonier He has ask? submitted some questions. So we're going to start with some here, and you can't pass on any of them. So okay. you're very, very well known for your type of dress. So his first question is, who buys your clothes? He would like to know who buys your clothes. Yes, his name is Al Pate. Okay, so you buy yes. your own clothes. Wife doesn't have any input or anything like that? Oh, no, I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't say that. So uh, my wife has input, okay. um, but lately my daughters have input. So now when I purchase clothing, I think to myself, what? What is Cece or Elise going to say when I walk out of my room in the morning? So um, I am much less confident and independent in what I choose. It really is what would Cece, Elise, or Nikki say? So I'm maturing, I guess. And know. with the identical twins, is there ever a conflict between them on, on one oh, of no. the likes what you have? They oh, no, they are in sync. Okay. Sync. I always look, JD. I, Nikki and I think we're cool, right? We're cool parents. No, we are not. We are not. <laughs> All right, awesome. And then one last question from our co-host Brian Sonier, who's unable to be with us on this episode. Obviously, you know the question's not coming for me because I don't have much hair. But he wants to know what's the number of hair products that you use on a daily basis, and and if you were so inclined, could you tell us? Ooh, uh, the sweating. brand names of, of some of those hair products. I am sweating. So I will pass on the brand name, but I just use one product. Um, it's hair lotion, and it does what it wants, Brian. It There's no control over it. It's hair lotion and move on. That's it. There you go. Some excellent advice from Al Patang <laughs> here. Always get your wife and daughter's feedback on your clothes, and, and if you do have hair always access the hair lotion to make sure it's in place. I appreciate you sharing that information with us. Well, Brian, thanks for the questions, man. <laughs> so as we wrap this episode up for a close, uh, I just want to give you a chance to summarize anything that you covered or, or hit on anything that we may have missed. And then also kind of leave maybe a contact information, a calling card where if anybody uh, is interested in reaching out to you for, for more opportunities or any yeah. things that you covered, could you leave a calling card for our audience members? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I will just, you know, tying to well within reach, I think wellness is, is more than health. Um, you know, for, for, for me, and I, and I would advise any, anyone in healthcare or business, you, you got to find your balance. And um, I work on it constantly. I don't do it well all the time, but I'm, I'm in a rhythm now that works for me. You know, your spiritual life has to be part of what you do. Your physical activity has to be part of what you do. And, and you have to do it every day. And, uh, you know, so for me, I found routine and rhythm in it. And, and today it's working. Um, you know, I would advise that anyone getting into a new role, you want to empty yourself, right? You want to empty yourself into it. And a lot of times we drain our energy so much into one thing that we forget about all aspects of wellness. So um, the only thing I'll leave people with is find that balance. I know it's cliche, but um, I'm speaking to an audience that didn't always do that well. But find what works for you. I'd be happy to share what I do and how I do it um, with anyone that wants to reach out to me. So I'm on Facebook under my normal name. I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an old one, right? All I have is Facebook. 
Um, and my email address, which I don't mind you sharing, is patan at lusfiber.net. I'd love to chat. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope, uh, I, hope I entertain someone. <laughs> well, excellent guest. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. And I know our audience members have gained a lot of valuable insight from the experience that you have shared. So I appreciate you coming on today. Awesome, JD. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Well Within Reach. We believe in the power of physical movement along with emotional and spiritual connection. As a team, we hope that you find what we share here helpful on your journey. Whether you're battling physical issues or looking for kindred folks, we are honored to have the opportunity to connect with you. As a rapidly growing company, we're always looking to expand our footprint and our tribe. If you are looking for more information about our company or how to join our team, please visit mtspts.com. If you have content ideas for our podcast or feedback of any kind, you can reach us at podcast at mtspts.com. If you found value from it, please share it with a friend. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We would be extremely grateful for that as your reviews help encourage others to listen in. Remember, your best self is well within reach, and so is our next episode. We hope you join us then.